Hello, and welcome to Rockets Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Micro.blog. I'm Simone de Rochefort, supervising video producer at Polygon, and I'm here today with Brianna Wu, executive director of Rebellion Pack, and Christina Warren, senior developer advocate at GitHub. Welcome to the show where we're going to have a double helping of dessert today. People love to hear me singing when they first I, load I up our podcast. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I, do. I love it so much. I bet if we put out like a, a listener um, like survey, I think it would be your, your singing would be like number two or number three. I mean, I think the listeners should be remixing my tunes, but that's just me. <laughs> I think that there should be a Spotify playlist that is cool remixes of Simone's tunes, but the world has failed me. Today we have a very exciting show for you. We're going to be talking about some changes, shakeups over at Twitter, as well as some shakeups over at CNET regarding AI written articles. Then we are going to be closing out the show for you uh, free listeners, talking about some of our faves, Anna Delvey and Billy McFarland. Mm. Two people who are, as the as you could say, back at it again <laughs> our boosties our premium subscribers you get an ad free show uh you're gonna hear me shamed shamed endlessly by my co-host i assume mm-hmm. uh because we're talking oh, yeah. about goldeneye so i mean I have came, you played goldeneye I, of course I not was say, come on uh, right yeah so so you're getting shamed you're getting shamed, getting shamed. that's getting been shamed yeah of course i haven't you played work it. at polygon don't they have an N64? I have literally, out? I have spent the last three days nonstop playing a mobile merge game called Gossip Harbor, which is incredibly good, I should add. Um, do you think I have time to pull out an N64 and play Goldeneye? I'm waiting for my actions I, I to refresh. I think you make the yes. time. You make the time. Yes, I'm, so, I'm sorry, Simone. You've had, like, I, I know that we'll get, we'll get into this more in the the you're other using your good shaming <laughs> i'm saying we we so subscribe if you want to hear more of this shaming here's the thing i understand that your parents didn't let you have video games blah 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 but <laughs> you've been an adult on this planet for like it's it's been at least a decade and a half since you've had that excuse so i i just yeah i am gonna send a damn N64 to your house until you learn. She doesn't deserve it. She doesn't deserve it, Brie. She doesn't deserve it. She doesn't respect her history. She doesn't I'll deserve sell it. it on eBay. <laughs> All right. Uh, go to relay.fm slash membership if you would like to learn how to access the bonus content. Uh, boosties get uh, an extra segment every week called Rocket Booster uh, that is an extra helping of dessert slash shaming slash chaos from us. But for now, let's get into the meat of the show. Uh, Twitter has nuked API uh, support. What? R- real quick, said, can, uh, can I just give a quick can, can, can I just give a quick update on my Vegas trip? Of course. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god, of course. You went to Vegas with your mom to see Adele. Tell us how it went. I did. It was amazing. It was amazing. Oh. But there were some, some listeners who were asking and had a wonderful time. It was, my mom says it was her best birthday ever. It was like a oh trip of a lifetime for her. We had such a good time together. Um, Adele was phenomenal. 
my only regret is not paying even more money uh, to <sighs> have like better seats, even though the the price that I paid for the tickets was already really ridiculous. And um, it was it was uh, it was great. Um, we had a great time at, at the Beatles um, Cirque du Soleil show, oh, which now that wow. Hard Rock has bought the Mirage, I don't know how much longer that show will be around, but that's oh, an no. amazing show. Um, we went, uh, I took her, we went to Lago, um, at the Bellagio on, um, Sunday night and, um, which has a great view of the fountains. And we had dinner there. We had, um, brunch at Bouchon. Um, we got to see a bunch of the casinos and stuff. I basically got to show her just uh, treat her right. Um, the, 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 the Plaza was fantastic. Um, she loved the hotel room. So it was truly a wonderful, wonderful trip, uh, two very enthusiastic thumbs up from both of us and i'm just really glad i got to take my mom to, to visit. Oh, so much fun i'm so jealous yeah that makes me so yeah. happy i want to treat my mom like that she would not enjoy yes. vegas but i would treat her elsewhere <laughs> well that's the thing that, that, this is the this was the only funny thing like my dad i did originally when you know i booked the, when we bought the t- when i bought the tickets the first time we went for march of, of 2022 because their wedding anniversary was in april and oh. I was like, well, dad, do you want to come with us? It'll be your 50th wedding anniversary. Like, let's, let's go. And, um, my dad was like, no, no, I don't want to go to Vegas. And I was like, you don't have to go to Adele. You can do other things, but it'd be great. Then he starts looking up YouTube videos of the <laughs> hotel. And all of a sudden he's like, oh, this looks really <laughs> nice. And I was like, somehow my parents completely missed the whole like rebranding of Vegas as like you know, a, a, a family friendly and like luxury destination in the 2000s. Like they missed that entire thing. And so in their mind, I don't know what they thought it was. I guess they still thought it was like, you know, uh, like the, the really, really like redneck part, which you know are still there, but yes, yeah, CD exactly. And I'm like, no, it's, it's not like that anymore. Anyway. Um, he was very jealous. And so now my, my thought is, I don't know, like, uh, maybe me and Grant will take my parents sometime, you know, this year, or next year, um and and the four of us will go so well if they fine. ever announce the freaking dates for the u2 residency in vegas i will be yes. asking for your travel recommendations oh yeah that's gonna be at the venetian so which is where you need to stay so i have lots and lots of recs for you so yes awesome well i'm so happy that that went well um congrats to you and your mom for seeing adele uh did you cry oh yeah well at adele good mm, yeah, I mean, I yeah, it was just it was it's amazing. Adele. It was so good. Yeah. It was Adele. <laughs> she was fantastic. So anyway, speaking that's, of that's my crying, uh, mm-hmm. many third party uh, app users are doing that because Twitter <laughs> has nuked API good support. Segue. Thank good you. Segue. <laughs> you plus plus. <laughs> nuked API support for third party apps that compete air quotes with twitter's own clients apps like tweetbot echophone twitterific and phoenix were all suspended and have since mostly been removed from from service uh, from download because of that uh this is a move by twitter ostensibly to secure its hold on its uh, its users but is unfortunate news to anyone who has been a longtime Twitter user because Twitter has always coexisted, even before it was an app, with um, with third-party services that make made using Twitter better and innovated on Twitter's own functionality. As Mitchell Clark points out in uh, an article over on The Verge, the word tweet to refer to a Twitter post 
instead of a instead of twittering tweeting uh was mm-hmm. created by a twitter engineer who had been beta testing twitterific and it was popularized yep. popularized among that community before twitter officially took up the usage um other things that we associate completely with twitter that originated outside of twitter include the use of a bird logo uh actions also like pull to refresh yep uh pull to refresh from tweety uh, adding photos to tweets instead of linking out to photos, uh, muting people, muting phrases, and tag searching all were uh, features that were introduced first in third-party apps. Um, and the, this was new to me completely from, from Mitchell Clark's piece on The Verge, The because uh, pull to refresh as an action is mm-hmm. so ubiquitous in UI design yes. now, in, in touch-based UI. It's incredible to think that that originated from uh, a third-party Twitter app. too. Yeah, it, it, it was in Tweety. It was in Tweety too. Um, and then what was cool about that, Lauren Brichter, who created that app, and then Twitter. Um, it was such a good client. Twitter bought it not long mm-hmm. after Twitter for uh, Tweety for uh, for Mac, I think, came out, and, and and Tweety for iPad. This was like 2010, I want to say, and um, Twitter just bought it and then just turned the official app like basically into Tweety. And and Lauren worked there for um, a, a couple of years and then left. But what what was cool about what Twitter did with Pull to Refresh is they open sourced it. And and they like granted the patent so anybody could use it. So a lot of people had tried to implement the same thing. <laughs> they didn't the have to do that. Twitter would do stuff like Jeez. that. Jeez, right? What totally. a good freaking move, though. Yeah, honestly, no, 100%, that's a lot, smart. Well, a lot of people, well, a lot of people had done it because it was such a ingenious way of refreshing the feed. And and I was a beta tester like early, early when Tweety Two came out. And um, it, I remember one of my first big stories for Mashable was was sharing some of the exclusives on that. And um, because I'd been using Tweety since it it first launched in 2008, I want to say. And um, yeah, a year later, the, the second one came out. And and that app, like there was a time when, you know, third party, like John Gruber's written about this, were, you know, like kind of the UI Playgrounds Twitter clients. And um, but pull to refresh was was such a massive thing. And, and um Apple even adopted that code, right? Like it, mm-hmm. you could see it in in some of the things that they had to use. So it was, it was really nice that that was used so many different uh, places. And, uh, but, you know, this is, I mentioned this last week, but what's so sad about all of this is that, you know, Twitter under every single administration, so to speak, has had a really weird relationship with third-party apps. Like they went right. from liking them to then banning them and 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 setting different uh rules about what could and couldn't be done which is a shame because it really was so completely like responsible for the the platforms like widespread growth so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, i think that's such an important point christina because i want to be really clear before i say this like this was a bad move this like antipathy between Twitter and third-party developers has always been bad for business. I mean, you're really talking a minuscule group of users and the way they like to use the app. I understand there's some complications in how like Twitter serves ads and things like that that make it slightly more inconvenient for them. But come on, if you're talking about the power users, just leave the nerds alone. Let them use the one that they like. I'm completely (laughs) against this, obviously. That said, this cannot be a surprise to anyone involved with this. Like the relationship has always been fraught between uh, you know, third-party Twitter apps and Twitter, and you know with Elon Musk coming in there, 
and his number one priority, meaning being monetized everything. Of course, third-party Twitter apps are going to be the first thing to go. I mean, first of all, he knows nothing about coding. He's like talking about GraphQL and trying to like meddle <laughs> with their batch processing calls on the back end. Do you really think he has a, a, a sophisticated understanding of like third-party API access? Of course not. So, I mean, I'm not saying I support this move. I'm saying I was completely unsurprised by this move and them moving over to Mastodon. Um, really, I mean, it's it seems like the best bad move possible. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I will disagree a little bit, only with, with that the, this shouldn't have been a surprise. And the reason I'll say that is the, the, the Elon stuff, obviously, I think that that everything that he said that he was going to do has been, been a 180 and different. And I, and I totally hear your point on on being prepared for things to change in that regard. But Twitter had actually made a bunch of moves to be better for third-party clients in the, the last 18 months. They'd completely revamped their API. They'd updated their developer documentation. They'd actually given client apps more access to things than they'd had before and, and were really kind of trying to at least, you know, before the Elon takeover, it seemed like, because I knew a lot of people in developer relations and in tooling at Twitter, like they were really trying to kind of bring back people who had had made you know Twitter to begin with, um, how how much that would have worked, I don't know. But you know, um, uh, you know, Paul from from Tapbots who, who made Tweetbot and, and now makes Ivory on Mastodon, like he had said in, in an interview with The Verge, and he'd also said on on um, on Twitter and other places, you know, that he'd had a much better relationship with Twitter recently up until these changes were made. Now, then the entire developer relations team is, is, is fired and, you know, people who are maintaining the APIs are let go. And it's clear that Elon doesn't know what he's doing, but initially Elon was making it seem like he would be open to third-party apps. Um, what was dumb, I, from my opinion, all along was like, they never, ads were never part of the API. If ads had been part of the API and, and third parties had been bypassing it, that's one thing, but they were never part of the API. And so, you know, that was that was a bad move, I think, on a lot of levels. Um, and and I'm sure that there are historical reasons for that, but it 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 was it was dumb for them not to even have a way to like, you know, serve ads in those ways. But I, I think that just how quickly all of this collapsed, I think that I look, I'll be honest, I'm shocked by how quickly everything has degraded and gone down. I didn't mm -hmm. this I, I'd said on the podcast before, this was maybe my my worst fear. But I really didn't think it would be this quick, yeah. um, and 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 that we would see, you know, things like this happen. That we would see, you know, the degradation in performance across the site, which you know, a lot of times people can't even see all of their replies. You know, content isn't showing up. The changing in the the for you section being the default versus who you're following. Getting rid of the you know uh, the the timeline, which these were all things that, that Elon said he wouldn't do, and he's, he's backtracked on all of it because it's almost like he realizes, oh, running a, a service is harder than I thought it was. <laughs> um, and and so to say nothing of the fact that he is unaware of uh, Twitter censoring users in India and seems pretty blasé about it, despite being pro free speech. But go on. No, totally, totally. Um, but what is interesting is it's from this, like I've been actually, I was putting a lot more time on Mastodon, which I haven't wanted to do, but I'm I'm there because the only kind of upside of this is that for a few months now, I, I guess probably seeing the writing on the wall, the Tapbots team were working on Ivory. 
uh, which is out now. And, and it's um, a very good Mastodon client. It's one of the first really good ones. There's also um, Ice Cubes, which is um, free and available for iOS. It's also open source. That's great. There is um, uh, Elk, Elk.Zone, which is a really good web interface for Mastodon. So we're finally now starting to see, at least from kind of my circle of people, like people who are not part of Mastodon because they are on board with it ideologically, but because they need a, another place to land, designing good user interfaces and good apps for it, which thank God, like, because mm-hmm. frankly, I don't care about the ideological pennings of Mastodon. It's not my thing. In fact, I find a lot of the people who are really into that insufferable, if I'm being completely honest. Yep. <laughs> and, 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 and I don't want to have to like censor myself so that I can like stay you know, like allowed to be part of, you know, a certain instance. There's just some stuff with Amazon that that I just don't care for. But how about the way they evangelize to you? I did Twit uh, this week. And I mean, look, all respect to the audience. I love all of you. Thank you for reaching out to me. But like I mentioned just something on the show, how I don't use Mastodon. Seriously, you know, I got some really angry emails about it. Like, oh, you've got to be on Mastodon. You've got to be on Mastodon. It's true. I should put in more time over on Mastodon. Ivory is a great client. I'm sure I will take that more seriously. But there, there really is a, there's a, it's almost a reactionary. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a culture war. It, 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 I don't need another stupid culture war in my life. I've got plenty going on. Yeah, we, we are already we already did Xbox versus PlayStation. We yes. don't need <laughs> that for social media platforms. Uh, I think w- what you were saying, Christina, about third party developers working on Mastodon clients really points to something that is cool and beautiful about software and which has been mm-hmm. true of social media for a long time which is that like no matter how many incredibly talented wonderful people you employ at the company that is building the first party client there's always different perspectives that can be taken into account and that is what is so cool about things like these twitter readers that were built about things like um missing e on tumblr which added a yep. bunch of functionality to Tumblr Jeremy. that then, yeah, <laughs> that people went, oh my God, this is a, a much nicer version of this to use. And some features of that, of course, have migrated to Tumblr itself because, you know, the more the more people you have working on something and thinking about something and coming at it from their own perspectives, the better it's going to be. Which is, of course, not to denigrate like any of the engineers working at Twitter, working at Tumblr, working at Mastodon. It's just about, I think, creativity on on a massive scale under different contexts. And so that's why it's just always so disappointing to see something something like this happen. And like you, Brianna, I'm not surprised to see Musk do this, like despite the relationship to third party apps being somewhat better, like in 2021 late 2021 22 uh i don't know the fact that he would make such a poor short-sighted decision isn't surprising to me i was reading in the i think it was the verge piece that mentioned that they had found that like in early days at least the people who were using these third-party apps to access twitter were some of the the most engaged people and that doesn't surprise me i mean journalists forever gravitated towards a tweet deck which was another yes, app which, that which, was bought by twitter <laughs> right um, and, and tweet deck and, was a, tweet deck tweet deck was a little bit different situation in that twitter bought it because they had to because the company that 
that owned TweetDeck was trying to buy all the big Twitter clients mm. and was basically trying to kind of become the An de facto Uber Twitter place client. For t- yeah. <laughs> right. And but not only that, tried to trying to own the entire Twitter experience. And Twitter kind of woke up and realized, oh man, um, we don't own our user interface. We don't own yeah. our experience. And this one is so big and so popular, we have to buy it because it has so many users. But yeah, you're right. Like, you know, um, the for many, many years, like the because the original Twitter app didn't even come out. I don't remember when it originally came out, but it wasn't good. And and it wasn't until, you know, Tweety when they bought Tweety and they basically rebranded that and mm-hmm. finally you had like a, a good one but you know this is what was always disappointing to me about Twitter I can understand if you're a company like Facebook or if you want to go really old school like MySpace or yeah. you know some <laughs> of these other things where you don't have APIs that are allowing people to build third-party front ends but when you do have that and when frankly your original clients were all made by third parties because you just had a website and a way to integrate with SMS and and not much more. And everybody else does the hardware for you and creates a lot of the interactions, iconography, and, uh, you know, like, you know, nomenclature that everyone else is using, not to mention the fact that things like, you know, at replies, the hashtag and, and yep. other stuff were, were all invented by users. And these were, these were not things that were built into Twitter, designed into Twitter at all. These were things that came out of it being used. When you then do that 180, which is what happened in, in 2011, and you, um, you know, like uh, push that audience away and you really do alienate that power user contingent, um, it, it's a shame. I, I've said this, I've said this to people, uh, friends of mine who used to work at Twitter, and, and I'll, I'll say it again here. I think that the biggest mistake as a company that Twitter ever made was that with TweetDeck specifically, they had an opportunity with that to turn that into a multi-billion dollar a year service. They could have turned that into an enterprise tool where they could have charged, you know, per user access, where they could have had um, built-in CRM functionality. They could have had high-end analytics. They could have had a lot of other stuff. And they they could have had a a really, really, really robust enterprise business just by selling to newsrooms and to media companies and to mm. customer service agencies and to big brands. And they didn't. I mean, like we pay for Sprout and we pay more per seat for Sprout than we do for Adobe, I'm pretty sure. And and that's the sort of thing that Twitter could have built them could have built in-house. And 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 frankly, if Elon really had wanted to focus on how can Twitter make money instead of focusing on trying to, you know, get the ad business back up and running after all that stuff. It's like, honestly, that's where I, what I would have done. Like if you could, now the users are leaving, so it doesn't matter. But like, you know, you really could have created a great internal like enterprise kind of led tool and and they didn't. And and to me that that will be, I think, probably one of the biggest fundamental missed opportunities for Twitter as a company that, that they didn't execute on any of that. Mm-hmm. The irony now is like, an enterprise company trying to interact with Twitter is increasingly fraught to have your brand no, on the agree. platform mm. at all. Oh, no, no, no I agree. Just, at this point, no, totally. Yeah, no, I, at this I'm point, you know, it's too late. I'm, I'm no, 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 joking. you're exactly this right, though. At this the, point, it's too late. The, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I'm just saying, if he hadn't, if he hadn't acted like such an idiot, you know, when he first, you know, took over, like, that actually wouldn't have, that, like, if, if it were me, I would have been like, okay, if you actually want to turn some money into this, don't mess with how things are now, but start investing money into creating, you know, an actual platform because they're, you know, uh, 
there there would there were ways to there was money in the banana stand, but but then they burned it mm-hmm. down. Burned it down. One final question before we move on. So I saw some buzz around people being concerned for uh, tools that aren't readers, like these apps that were basically nuked, uh, but things like Thread Reader, things like Block mm-hmm. Party and Twit Longer, which do access the API but aren't you know third party apps. Uh, people are concerned right. that eventually those will also be culled as well. Do you two think that there's any, I guess, uh, concern about tool third-party tools like that being on the chopping block? Yeah, I think it's very clear. Musk is going to do what Musk is going to do. He's like, this is such a clear pattern at this point. Like he's going, like you're you're shocked that he's coming forward and saying like, oh well, I'm I'm amenable to third-party tools, and then he reverses it. Like this is what he does. Like, there's no one there to support this stuff. Anything that requires, like, any person at Twitter to help <laughs> you out on the outside, that person's probably fired, y'all. <laughs> like, that's just the reality. Have you seen the pics they've released on the internet of the office? Like, nobody's there. There's no They're surprise. They're selling their stuff. Right. Everything's I was, gone. I, a friend of mine was looking at the Twitter, like, furniture auction. Right. There's some good stuff there. 100%. Not affordable. So, no, I'm just saying, like, I, uh, I I wouldn't bet on any of it. I think the, the really big thing is, like, do I even think Twitter is going to be there in, like, three or four years? There's a story in Wall Street Journal that came out after we'd locked up topics about the massive amount of debt that uh, Musk is trying to get refinanced on it. And he's got to sell more Tesla stock, probably, uh, and just look at the interest rates he's paying. And we know it's losing money because uh, the number of people paying for Twitter Blue has been estimated on the high end between 200,000 300,000 people, which works out to what like 4.5 million a month like oh. that's not great that's not great y'all so um yeah I, it's I manhattan don't. rent for you there you go <laughs> yeah it's certainly not san francisco rent <laughs> well but i would also just say like at this point i don't beyond like like he's gonna do what he's gonna do i don't trust that they have any a lot of people enough left to maintain the api endpoints it's as yep. simple as mm-hmm. that yeah um like i honestly i don't even think it comes down to like whether or not he would agree with whether Threadreader or TwitLonger or Block Party or any of those things can exist, and if they are any sort of threat to him or anything else, I think it's a matter of like who is who is around maintaining the API endpoints, and who even knows what they do, because it sure as hell you know doesn't seem like there's a lot of other things. Has mm-hmm. has yeah Tracy's a friend of mine. Has anything have they announced anything with uh, Block Party? Have I missed them? Not that I know of. It was just on the list of like things tools that people were concerned about yeah potentially being yeah i hadn't thought oh god she's worked so hard on that oh this episode of rocket is brought to you by micro.blog blogging is still the easiest way to share stuff on the web and micro.blog is the easiest way to blog personal blogging is making a comeback thanks to all the disruption in social media have you guys heard about this This disruption that's happening. So if you've always wanted to build your own place on the internet to keep and share the stuff that you love, micro.blog is for you. Micro.blog is an easy-to-use blogging platform where you can write short or long blog posts. You can share photos and video and even host a podcast. But more than a place to post your stuff, it's also a friendly community of people with a wide range of interests who share and comment via Micro.blog's social timeline 
backed by strong community guidelines that are enforced. And because micro.blog is open, you can use your own domain name. You can cross post to Twitter, Tumblr, and Mastodon. You can also follow and be followed by Mastodon users directly with conversations threading across both micro.blog and Mastodon. And finally, you can share your RSS feed so that anyone can follow you. Micro.blog is different. There are no ads and there is no behind the scenes algorithm choosing which posts appear in your timeline. I was super excited to see this, uh, to see this like come to us. And I know Christina has used it. So I am very curious to hear your experience because this has got me all hyped up because I was literally just talking to my coworker today about this comics writer who like has a site where he just publishes things that he's thinking about. And I was like, something in me was like, that actually sounds really nice. And I'm responding to it on a chemical level. And then micro.blog came to us and I was like, oh my God, wait. <laughs> so Christina, uh, can you tell me like, what is your experience using micro.blog? Yeah. So I actually originally back then when it was a Kickstarter campaign, um, gosh, I don't know how many years ago, because this is this is from Manton Reese and some other people. And it, it was kind of a whole idea about like whether or not, um, you know, could you kind of recreate um, blogging and kind of microblogging in a way where you own your own content. And then what was um, neat about this is that because uh, micro.blog supports the Fediverse, and, and, and ActivityPub, which is an, an API that micro.blog uses and the Mastodon supports, that means that you can publish content to uh, pe people who are, you know, using Mastodon and, and other ActivityPub um, and other Fediverse clients can see your content. They can subscribe to it that way. But you can also post other types of content. It doesn't just have to be short form things. It could be, you know, longer blog entries. It could be photos. Um, you can kind of use it as, as kind of a hybrid of kind of a, a, a Tumblr and a, um, you know, WordPress and an Instagram and or Flickr and, and a Twitter and all these sorts of things. And, and it's, it's a really, really neat um, system. So I think that for people who maybe don't want to just create uh, what, what Twitter has to offer, but do also want to be discoverable on various things like, like Mastodon, I think microblog is a really, really great thing to look at because on, on the surface, yeah, it can be a lot like kind of a, you know, a, a Twitter where you're sort of controlling your own destiny, but you can also do longer form things too. And, and it's that this is the, the beauty of open standards. So it's really great. Sick. Well, micro.blog hosting starts at $5 a month. Head to micro.blog and sign up for the 30 day free trial. Use the coupon code relay and you'll get a special deal with your standard subscription. You'll get a premium account at no extra charge. That's $5 a month for hosting that includes all of their premium features, including podcast hosting. That's a savings of 50%. So micro.blog, sign up for the 30-day free trial and use the coupon code RELAY. Thank you so much to micro.blog for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Gonna go check that the heck out. Remix that, someone. And then release it on micro.blog. CNET has paused publication of AI written articles after over half of those articles were found to contain factual <laughs> errors. 
according to a new story by Futurism, also uh, followed up by other publications such as The Verge. CNET was using AI to write financial advice articles um, among those things like what is compound interest and does home equity loans, do home equity loans affect private mortgage insurance, as well as uh, daily pieces that listed up-to-date mortgage and refinance rates. Uh, articles like those former two that I mentioned, compound interest and equity loans affecting private mortgages, were among the articles uh, that were found to contain errors. Uh, some other AI-written articles have now been marked as containing possibly plagiarized phrasing as well. <sighs> These articles were SEO-laden informational pieces for the most part, created to pump that Google search engine algorithm and get eyes on commonly asked and uh, what is the the high commonly asked high intent questions? Um, they would get money or earn money based on affiliate ads placed on the pages and links to things like credit card signups, which you might you know if you're googling like what is the best credit card for? Yeah, blah blah blah. Oh, a credit card link to uh, that gets the the site money. Um, these it's a commonly commonly used tactic for earning money on your website. Uh, CNET's first step after it's, 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 especially especially I should note especially by uh, CNET's parent company um, which is Red Ventures which is owned by Bankrate uh, which makes its money almost uh, largely from getting people to sign up for credit card offers so it's yes. not just common it's not just common like you see affiliate things and whatnot but this is literally something that this particular media company if you want to call it that has made a killing off of um through the, through the various websites they bought over the years like they they own i think like reviews.com and and uh, the points guy and um uh you know um, a, a bunch of other things and the whole thing is to get as many people as possible funneled into applying for credit cards because then they get you know uh, multiple hundreds of dollars from the the credit from from the banks for each approved person that gets a card. Yes. Red Ventures bought uh CNET for 500 million dollars in 2020 after CBS Sold it off, uh, as Christina said. It is. Uh, it also owns other sites you might recognize, like PointsGuyCreditCards.com and Bankrate, that have perfected <laughs> you uh, as using those high high intent inquiries to get eyes on their pieces. Uh, after Futurism broke the story, uh, CNET's first move was to issue a blanket statement on all the AI written stories that they were in the process of being reviewed for accuracy. Uh, after that, it temporarily paused AI-generated articles. That being said, CNET says it will continue to test AI tools and rework its process for publishing such stories, hopefully a process which will include a more thorough initial fact check in the future, especially when we're looking at things like mortgages. <laughs> yeah, this was kind of a I mean they've been doing this for a long long time. They're not the only uh site to do this, uh but it certainly ha has reached ahead especially uh with AI um getting so much attention lately and I think that they have deserved entirely the backlash because how are you going to be publishing stuff like that without a fact check? You certainly would do it on a human written article. <laughs> would you? I mean, I mean, let, let, let's honestly ask that question. Would they? Because I don't know. Okay, maybe they wouldn't. Fair <laughs> enough. They wouldn't. <laughs> no, I mean, a lot of places wouldn't. And I mean, Simone would. No, but a lot of places wouldn't because most places, most publications do not have fact-checking departments unless you are, like, 
a newspaper like the New York Times or the Washington Post or a magazine like The Atlantic or The New Yorker? I would I'm, I would argue that somebody who is writing an article like that, if we're assuming the, the article is being written by somebody who is doing their due diligence, that person is evaluating the sources that they're using for the information and doing their own fact checking. That's doing a lot of work, though, because it really didn't the, the incumbent becomes on the editor. I'm just saying I know that you know, I did a really good job when I was both at, at Mashable and Gizmodo of, of always making sure, you know, I was fact-checked as well as possible and doing the best work. I also know that there was an incident when I was at Mashable when I had an intern who was, I caught plagiarizing. And um, and I only caught it because I was checking the sources that they were using. And, and so- So uh, you're and saying that you were fact-checking? Well, I, I was trying to get context for the article, but that, that wasn't my job to check whether or not this person- was plagiarizing. Like if I hadn't looked at it, if it had gone to a copy editor or someone else, it wouldn't have been caught. Yeah, I'm not arguing and, that I, people, I'm just saying that, that errors don't happen or that everyone is fact checking all of their articles. I, I think that it the that in the, with the sort of stuff where especially when you're talking about writing about mortgage rates and credit card offers and and people writing um affiliate laden um shopping um articles, advertisements, you know, done done as that. I'm not talking about like separate commerce teams where people individually, you know, look at products and whatnot. I'm talking about people who are literally hired to write however many dozens of commerce posts a day that are stuffed with as many links as possible to do as well as possible. I'm saying that newsrooms don't actually look at that very closely. That's I, I, I'm going to go on record and say that. No, I, I certainly agree with that. I, I think that's really speaking, though, to why it's really important to have a, a human like writing this in the in the first place. I, I can't talk about a project I'm working on, but uh, I was doing something today and it, it needs to be written up to a journalistic standard, right? And I'm going through and I'm writing something and I'm working for a transcript that I found uh, from a, a very reputable YouTube video, right? And I, I'm copying it in there and I'm making a point about the 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 quote that I'm copying. And I go, just to be safe, I'm going to go look at the original video here because I'm just I trust this person, but I just if my name's gonna be on it, I need to really make sure this is dead on. And I go hunt this down and I'm watching a 30-minute YouTube video. And they did, they did a jump cut there uh between it. Uh, that I couldn't see it was in the transcript. It completely changed. Um, it completely changed the tenor of the quote. And if I had not checked that, it would have been very embarrassing for me, right? Because I, I would have yep. gotten caught and and yelled at, right? Um, you know, that is the kind of like that is a a, a mistake that AI is never going to be able to have the judgment and figure it out. I mean, Simone, you're talking about the the plagiarism uh, issue that came up here. Of course, because it's looking at other information out there. It's using tricks to make it seem like it's thinking through it. It's throwing a little word salad in there. But ultimately, it's working from other facts that it's finding. It's not creating anything truly new. So, you know, it's it's not that... I can think of so many helpful applications for this technology. Just to give you one, with Chat GPT, my husband, uh, you know, he does science fiction writing. His hardest thing is writing the first draft of something. And he was working on a new story idea the other day. He plugs in all of his ideas into Chat GPT. He's like, tell me this story. 
it spits it out. It's generic and te- terrible. But then he's got a first draft. Yep. He has a first draft mm-hmm. for him to go through because Frank excels at polishing something and changing it and editing it. He just needs that first draft. That is a completely legit tool for a professional writer to use. I I think if you're having a journalistic enterprise implement an idea like that, it's just Russian roulette with your reputation because major mistakes are just simply going to come. And then you can't blame it on the the undersourced, underpaid writer like yeah. who's trying to churn out 20 articles a day. I think like, that's, it's what, just you yeah, that's what gets at my, suffer. I yeah. think, entire issue with this is that I I know there's a lot of panic over AI writing specifically. I don't think that AI writing is necessarily the problem. I think the problem is the internet economy Ooh. of writing. We talked about, I think when when we were covering chat GPT, which is not like implicated in this as far as I know, but was the thing that we talked about. Right. I was we gonna were say they were using to... a homegrown system, which was bad, clearly. Not saying yes, chat GPT it was bad. Perfect, but this is this was a homegrown one, which was clearly not high quality. Anyway, sorry, go on. Yeah. Refer, just returning back to our conversation about chat GPT, one of the observations that came out of that was the writing that chat GPT is producing when you ask it about something sounds a lot like yeah. SEO targeted writing because right. what it's pulling from is this vast, enormous base of knowledge yes. that is mm-hmm. the internet, <laughs> which has been designed around Google's algorithm and surfacing things so that people can read it. Every time somebody complains about a freaking recipe website, having paragraphs and paragraphs of text at the top, that's not the writer's fault. Yes, they are is. trying to, Okay, no, it's not. They are trying to get their articles seen so that you can see the recipe, and they're not going to make any money or get their article to get their that's, recipe that's still seen. Their choice. That's, that's unless, still their choice. I'm sorry, that's still their choice. Like that's, it's that's, stupid to complain about, and it's rude, frankly, uh, I mean, to complain about recipe writers putting a bunch of well, text at the top. Just skip I, it. Anyway, I mean, my I, point I is that ChatGPT, like clearly, it, it had that tone, and it doesn't surprise me to see a, a purely SEO driven enterprise like like this one was basically not perfectly but but producing pieces that were targeted for that exact purpose right but i guess my point is and look i i'm not saying that cnet was right to do this because they weren't i think that the to me my biggest problems with this was not that they used an ai tool and, and a poor one at that but they didn't disclose it that they used real bylines of real people that they conflated things mm-hmm. and then, then and they that tried the to cover it up don't even didn't even know right. at some points it, exactly who was writing the articles totally and i think that all of that is is worth critique i will say this though and i and and you and i are going to disagree on this simone and that's okay but I think that if the value of a recipe that you that you cannot find a way to to make money off of it any other way than having bunches of of, of text, which genuinely, honestly, usually means nothing, and 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 or, or or stuffing ads with it somewhere, or if the the content quality, if for for something like you know um, a, a very useless article on um, you know home loan rates and other stuff, if, if that is so low that it can be taken over by some sort of AI thing or automated. And let's be honest, most of the time it's being written by people who are being paid one or $2 a post um, or, or other things. I actually don't know if I have a problem with that being automated because I don't think that that is content that is, that is I'm not going to get mad that that content is being automated because I don't think that that content has any value. 
That's why I mentioned the um, the daily pieces that came out listing mortgage and refinance rates because I, I I meant to look into this and I didn't have time. But my understanding is that I it, it, I, I don't know if those were among the articles that contained errors. But I, I genuinely like like you. I don't necessarily see a problem with publishing something that like say pulls from a data stream. No, marketplace and says, has like, been doing hey, that for the, years. Here's the, yeah, like yeah. exactly. Like here's the data. Here's what 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 the, what is the stock market doing right now? What is and, it saying? And, That's and market, fine. That has yeah. no necessary because it's coming from a data stream. It has, and and marketplace has been doing that for years. Marketplace has also been noting that it comes from like they have like a kind of a day and thing. Like this is what the stock market on a certain stock did, and and they note that it is AI driven. And I think that that is actually a perfect category for that because yeah, there you go. A, a regular writer shouldn't be wasting your time on that. Like, Can honestly. I just say something about that really quickly? I use that all the time for stocks because it's, it's, it's exactly like you said, Christine, it's helping take something that's like fundamentally just a numbers game because you can't F that article up, right? Like it bounced here on this yeah. news, blah, blah, blah. You know, it closed down this point as part of this market trend. That's, that's a great thing to automate. And I read that all the time to just understand what the frack happened, right? <laughs> I, I think it's, but I think that's such a limited use case. Like I've also seen them doing it for some uh, things with like uh, uh, baseball, like local baseball, where it's so, you know, automated, like who scored one inning and that's all in a database anyway. There's not anything really journalistically at stake with that. I think if you're going to something wider, I mean, don't get me wrong, you can do it. I, I just think like ethics aside, like let's just talk pragmatically. Like, if you're playing Russian roulette with your reputation, have somebody to blame. No, I don't right? disagree. I, I don't right? disagree. I'm just saying, I don't think that any of the articles that CNET was publishing, and again, I'm not defending this. I think they did a lot of things wrong. But sure. I don't think any of the things that they were publishing that anybody was looking at, A, I don't know how many people were actually reading or clicking on any of those articles, to be completely honest with you. Um, like, I, I think that if you look at their actual traffic numbers, those things would be almost non-existent. And I think B, I think that those are pretty low value and, and like low import, you know, things like I, I would agree if it were an iPhone review or if it were, you know, trying to summarize something happening, um, you know, in, in Congress or, or something else. But if we're talking about things that are largely, you know, word salad with different numbers interjected, it's still not great that they're not disclosing that an AI wrote it. And it's still not great that they're not checking and having tools in place to prevent plagiarism and other stuff. Like that's not good at all. And it, and it's even worse when they're putting bylines of real people on it. And when the employees don't know, all of that is awful. I just don't think any of the journalism that was being created could even be called journalism. And, and so I, I, I can't get really upset about, Oh no, think of the, you know, humanity. It's like, you're right. CNET's reputation is really sullied now. But I don't think that the articles that they were publishing, even if they've been written by a human, would have done anything to like bolster the reputation because the very fact that they're publishing all those types of stories to begin with, to me as as a reader, I'd be like, all right, you know, I, I don't know why, you know, you're stuffing all these types of articles on your website when they clearly don't have any, you know, like connection to your audience. I just uh, I I got curious because I was thinking like how did it f up what is compound interest, a thing that has an answer and the correction is fortunately on the CNET article down at the bottom, uh, it says an earlier version of this article suggested a saver would earn ten thousand three hundred dollars after a year by depositing 
$10,000 into a saving account that earns 3% interest compounding annually. The article has been corrected to clarify, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it's, yeah, it's math. It's messy. Yeah. Math. I know. I know. And at that point, <laughs> which yeah, it is. to be fair, a journalist would do. <laughs> yes. I was going to say a journalist, a journalist would probably make that mistake and an editor would not catch it because they would not do like the, okay, well, how am I phrasing this? You're earning $300 a year. Cause I, cause I'm assuming what the error was, was that with compound interest, your your you know yeah, balance three hundred on top exactly of, exactly yeah. three hundred on top of that right and so that that's a phrasing thing but I could see a lot of editors unfortunately even very good ones like that might be something that I would not catch depending on how fast I was going um, even though if I went back and looked at it with clear eyes I'd be like oh my god you moron yeah but like yeah yeah but it, it, I yeah it definitely speaks I think to the value of editors and human oversight with these things because like the, and this is always where ai modern ai has its problems which is in the nuances of phrasing things uh, in ways that that means that makes sense to human readers yeah um phrasing of things has as i'm doing a bad job of demonstrating right now <laughs> how you phrase things is important well i, I think to Bree's point i think how way frank uses it i think that this this is this is the big takeaway I have from this is that it's a tool. It shouldn't be like a destination. Like it should be something that you're using in your arsenal amongst other things if you're going to use it at all. And like let's not fool ourselves. This automation stuff has been happening for years before this. It will only accelerate. But but this is this is a tool. It shouldn't be the only thing you do. And I think that um the fact that they they clearly rolled this out without um checking, without having stoppers in place, without telling the staff. Is is all really really bad and and strikes to me as being driven by you know business incentives um, that are completely at odds mm-hmm. with with like journalistic enterprise. But yeah, you know, AI, AI, I don't I don't necessarily even blame the AI here. I I blame like the the humans who are making the decisions to prioritize this sort of story, this sort of SEO thing, and to use these sorts of tools without you know doing due diligence. T- to your point, to know that the context is there because. Um, obviously mistakes are going to happen and you're going to, you're going to look really bad. Shall we move on to our dessert? Let's do it. Two uh, podcast faves back at it again. Anna Delvey and Billy McFarland back Ooh. in the news uh, for, for different reasons. One branching out into a somewhat new enterprise. The other perhaps returning to old tricks? We don't know. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll introduce both of these up top and then we could just kind of free for, free ball it. Let's, let's go. <laughs> Anna Sorokin, uh, beloved con artist, um, subject of books, uh, server Rocket of prison time. mascot. Yep. Rocket's official mascot. Uh, is going to be starring in a reality show, uh, basically hosting dinner parties uh, in her house arrest home. Um, according to CBS News, or according to this press release paraphrased by CBS News, uh, it will feature a Delvey-invited group of actors, musicians, founders, socialites, journalists, and other esteemed guests uh, as she hosts invitation-only intimate dinners in her home, catered by a private chef. Um Holy moly. At the same time, separately though, Billy McFarland, uh, founder of founder and face of Firefest, one of the faces of Firefest, along with Ja Rule, um, idealistic scamster, is launching a 
low-paying and high-risk venture called <laughs> Pirate, spelled P-Y-R-T, um, which will be a worldwide, will start as a worldwide message in a bottle treasure hunt whose 99 winners will join oh, a, God. wait for it, pirate crew, question mark, for a larger treasure hunt. Uh, rewards will include short-term excursions like, uh, checking my notes here, trip to the Bahamas. <laughs> I was psychologically wounded while learning about this story uh, because I was reminded that Firefest happened almost six years ago. What? Oh, my God. So that's my takeaway from this. Billy McFarland uh, is notably not allowed to return to the Bahamas, where he is considered to be a fugitive. Oh, my gosh. Scamsters trying to capitalize on their ill-earned fame. How do we feel about it? Brianna. Uh, okay, so let's start with Anna Delvey. I feel like we need a plot for us to get invited onto this reality show. We've got to figure out how to show up because that would just be like we got to figure out how to get her on Rocket. I feel like we could totally. we could get her to say yes at some point. Um, I, I I'm kind of morbidly curious of this. I'm also like I wonder if like seeing her up close like at a dinner party i wonder if it's going to make the magic go away right Disappear, do you know what i yeah. mean yeah mm -hmm, totally um uh, i don't know i could go either way it could be the best thing ever or it could be a train wreck i just think it's uh it's got a lot to compete with uh milf manor so <laughs> best of luck yes oh boy. yes <laughs> i um yeah, so I, I agree on, on Anna. So I'm excited. I will obviously watch this on, on whatever network or streaming service or, or TikTok channel this winds up being on. Like, I'm going to watch it. That said, my fear in this is I did listen to the Clubhouse um, feeds when she was released from prison that were hosted what? by some of the most insufferable people that I've ever had the displeasure <laughs> of having to listen to. People talking about, like, their experiences getting through doormen, like, at New York City nightclubs. I mean, and these were, like, low-level, like, gross people. Like, it was just, it was not a good time. Like, these it was are the a sorts bunch of, people, of like, drivers. <laughs> yes. Thank you. That's exactly what it was. It was bad. And so I have a fear that the dinner parties will be full of strivers and, and, and also rands. Now, if I'm invited to one of these dinners, I, I would go even if I would be lumped in with that, but because I just think the people watching would be priceless. Um, honestly, like I, I'm here for the people watching uh, above all else is what I would want to do at that dinner party. I, I would just want to let them all talk and I would just want to observe <laughs> and just, you know, like, like I, I, that would be delightful for me. But I do think that this could be the sort of thing. I think you're right, Brie. I think this could take some of the mystique away. Right. Because um, honestly, like I, <laughs> Much like The Social Network was the best thing that ever happened to Mark Zuckerberg, the Netflix show is the best thing that ever happened to her. Um, and I don't mm -hmm. know if, uh, if if us seeing the real person, that might ruin it a little bit, right? I just had a fracking epiphany, y'all. Yeah? We could get Anna Delvey on this podcast by totally scamming her. I could write her up and say, hi, my name is Maggie Haberman. And we would like you to come on. I would like you to come on our podcast. And look, here's my co-host, Winona Ryder. <laughs> 
go to prison. <laughs> what 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 celebrity could we possibly say Simone is? And Simone de Rochefort. Um, We're also here. <laughs> I mean, I'm also Winona Ryder, so it's like, and two Winona Riders. <laughs> no, okay, you can be Winona Ryder. I can be Anne Hathaway. Oh, oh right. there we go. Star, uh, or we could just say, who did Anne Hathaway play in the Hulu series again? With oh yeah, I, I, I'm oh, Rebecca. Rebecca, what's her face? I, yeah, there yes. you go. I'm, I'm, we can I'm, even I'm, extrapolate yes. it a step further to one hundred percent, one hundred percent. I'm uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that that that's that that's totally it. I think that's exactly what we do. And as people, please don't ever listen to this podcast. And if you do, <laughs> don't listen all the way to the end because I'm sure you won't. Um, no, stop listening. No, Rewind and forget I it. I should have said this in the booster sec, but that would have left us safer. Oh, Honestly, man. a great idea. Oh, we're fools. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I, I feel I think this show is such a gross idea. Um, obviously, you know, she is allowed to do whatever she wants, but, you know, capitalizing on her the fact that everyone knows she's full of crap and that people want to be close to her for exactly that reason um sucks uh to your point i'm sure the people watching would be spectacular but i also wouldn't want to be in the room and have to engage uh because it would be annoying <laughs> oh god i would love it i would love i could do it for a night i couldn't do it like all the time i could totally do it for a night because yeah. i would just i would just fake it and i would just be an amazing experience well, kind of like going to an improv show yes that's exactly it. you put on a character and and you just deal with it i've had to be at plenty of insufferable uh dinners with like gross people i would i would totally totally do that for a night um but I do worry that the mystique will go away once people actually see her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to that point, maybe this is a great idea. <laughs> maybe. I mean, maybe this will ruin it. That said, can we talk about Billy McFarlane? Because I want to yes. find one of those yes. 99 bottles so bad. <laughs> it's God, a literal this guy, pyramid scheme. This guy, it's a literally has, scheme. this guy literally has one idea. It has one scheme. Like, how long? I, I, I'm, like, trying to take, like, bets. Like, how long do you think before he starts calling people from Magnesis and from Fire and the other things? Mm. And be like, hey, by the way, um, we've got this treasure hunt going on. And we can also get you tickets for, you know, Beyonce and and, and Adele and Taylor Swift. Oh, that's what it'll be. Taylor Swift tickets. Like, we'll, we'll yeah. be able to guarantee you Taylor Swift tickets. It's all going to be part of these experiences if you take part in this treasure hunt. And we just need, you know, you to go ahead and 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 put this money down. Like, he's not even allowed in the Bahamas. Like, the Bahamas yeah. government, like, they, they, like the, 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 the royal um, um, Bahamian, uh, whatever it's called, like, they're like... Please yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no. They're like he can't come in. They're like the, 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 there's like a, a he, he's a fugitive or something. I guess they're saying, and they they want people to like give his address over to them. Now, obviously, the United States is never going to extradite him to the Bahamas. We uh, they don't just care. For fun though. No, I'm abolitionist. I, we shouldn't do that. Never no, mind. we shouldn't do that. But like, <laughs> but I'm just saying. But so that just makes the idea even funnier that he's like, oh yeah, after the, the these 99 bottles are done, we're going to have this treasure hunt. Like he's trying to be Mr. Beast. Like literally, oh like, yeah, he he, he he he's he's like low rent Mr. Beast, but like, you know what? Say what you will uh, uh, about uh, Mr. Beast and and all of his stuff. Like you know, guy has in takes the money that he has and invests most of it back in the follow content. Through. Yeah, he does have follow through. Did actually give a guy an island and and made you know a a, a dope video out of it. Like, I just um. 
I, I, you know, I know that he has to pay back the restitution or whatever, but this is not how you pay back the restitution. Like he'd be better yeah, off to do another doing... events organization based scheme. The very thing that he was so bad at that he was he served time for wire fraud. <laughs> right, right. And it's it's like it's like nobody who would do any real events like uh like the um I can't think of the company's name right now. Um damn it, it's on the tip of my tongue. But the the, the people who do Coachella, um, like it's not as if they are ever going to work with him. And it's not like they're mm-hmm. e- even like I could see it would be funny. It would be funny if you brought him out if you were performing at Coachella, right? Like I could mm-hmm. see it being funny if you brought out as an opening thing, being like, ha ha ha, here's the Firefest guy, right? Like that would be funny. And you might pay him 25 grand for that, right? But you're not going to have him involved in any of the real promo or anything involved with your festival. Like that, 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 that's not how that works. Um, I also don't understand, like, where's the money for this treasure hunt thing coming on? Like, it, it it seems to be like he's like, well, you know, Golden Voice, that's the company's name I was thinking of, who who AEG owns. But none of them are going to get involved with him. But, like, how, you know, he's trying to get investors. He's like, I know it'll be risky and there might not be this reward, but 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 come with me and join me in this venture. It's like, bro, like, if Ja Rule gets involved again, cool. <laughs> But, but but if John Rule's not putting his money in, then why should I put my money in? You know what I think? I think he should move on to an all-new scam. He's taken this pyramid scheme thing as as far as he can go. But the, the guy clearly has talent. He's got good looks. He he knows how to pull that fast scam. He can tell you anything, and you'll believe it. So I think he should run as the Democratic nominee for New York's 3rd District. <laughs> No, against I think Santos. Go, go and up I against think Santos. He I was going to yeah, say. He could, I was going to say. Yep. Scam versus scam. Let's see it. Yeah, and, let's go. Um, okay, know? see that right there. That's, that's a TV we, show. We that is a TV it. show. No, I was going to say that's actually a good TV show, and that that's that could work towards getting him some of his money back because you do that show and then you franchise it internationally. Uh, you make it like the like 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 the Voice or X Factor or or you know um, Milf Island, Milf Manor. Excuse me. Like that's the sort of thing that can that can get you out of your debt. Uh, well, we we got to get in touch with someone because these are great ideas that we're having here, and we're having them for free right now. We are, uh, but we are about to go into our end of show. Any final thoughts on Billy McFarland? I will say, oh, my final thought is, I just I really want to know where these ninety nine bottles are going to end up. Where totally. if they'll end up, Long um, Island. Long all on Long Island, <laughs> all on wherever he. No, he's not serving house arrest. All in Anna Delvey's apartment. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? Crossover. I mean, honestly, I think the if MCU he had... of scams. Honestly, okay, think about it. Okay, this is this is what he should do. He should hide the bottles like on the premises of all the other great scammers. So have one in Palo Alto with Elizabeth Holmes. Have one. In Palo Alto with Sam Bankman Fried and his parents. Have one in Anna Delby's apartment. Have one with um, uh, Caroline Calloway in the apartment that she's been evicted from. Have one <laughs> with, uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just riffing here. One with, with uh, uh, the, the, the rapping crypto people. <gasps> oh, uh, this is a good idea. Like, like, this is where all of this stuff should be. Contact him now. Okay. I, I'm 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 going to DM him on on Instagram DM him right or TikTok now. right now. 
Mm-hmm. Meantime, let's wrap it up today and talk about what we are doing this week. Brianna, do you want to kick us off? Talk about sure. what you're doing. Well, first thing I'm doing is uh, creating a Gmail account called Maggie Haberman Gmail. <laughs> <laughs> That's the very first thing I'm doing. Um, I actually can't talk about anything I'm doing professionally this cool. week because it's top secret. But I want to. I want to share something with y'all that I'm going to need your support on emotionally okay. for the next 44 days. Um, so look, I am the biggest Scream fan on earth. I've seen it so many times. Scream 1, Scream 4 was great. Scream 5 was really, really good. I saw it like seven times in theaters. Scream 6 comes out in 44 days. And mm-hmm. oh my God, I am losing my mind for how good this looks. Did either of y'all see the the hype trailer for it? Trailer number two? Yeah, but I'm still mad that Sydney's on it. Like, yeah, I'm also I'm, a I'm massive Scream fan, and I'm very angry that, that Nev Campbell was not paid what her worth was, even though she made the damn franchise. No argument whatsoever. I'm sure she'll be back for seven. But what the, 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 the idea with this is it seems to be that there is a cult of Ghostface, and there's a scene in the trailer where each of the nine killer masks in the previous films that those killers use have all been stolen, and the oh. word online is that it's by the cult of Ghostface and all these killers that are out there. And Gail gets her first phone call from Ghostface, and it just looks so good, and... Argh! I mean, you know, plus Jenna Ortega has like completely broken out as the it actress. Yeah. And like she's the star. She's I'm sorry. Great. She just is the star of this new scream. Like uh, these two scream films. I cannot wait to see this. It's all we're going to talk about. Like that week it comes out. I'm just telling you because I got, I'm going to get my tickets and I'm going to get another ticket for the next show. And then I'm going to see it the next night. So I cannot wait for this. I'm so psyched. I am happy for you <laughs> that you get to experience something that brings you joy. Christina, what are you up to this week? Yeah, um, um, I'm also very happy for you. And I'm also like big, big Scream fan. So I'm, I'm excited for you. I'm not as big of a fan of like the more modern stuff as you are. But I, I will definitely see the movie when it comes out. But I'm, I'm very, very excited for you. Um, I am just uh, doing some work stuff. Uh, next week, I'm going to be in Disney. So I don't know. We might be recording Ooh. a day early. I don't know. Ooh. But I'm, I have, I've had like a a two-year-long like planned trip. I, I know this is coming soon after my Vegas trip, but this is like a vacation that my friends and I have had planned for like two years. So I'm going to Disney World. And um, Oh, congratulations. And, uh, yeah, yeah. This is going to be the first time that Kranz and Catherine have oh. ever been to Disney World. They, oh, that's they, cool. Ka- Catherine has been to Disneyland many, many times because she's from Los Angeles, but Kranz has never, like I don't understand how they've never been. And so that's very exciting for me. Um, uh, someone who, you know, um, I haven't been as many times as you, Brie, but I've been to Disney a bunch of times. And I, I grew up in Atlanta and we used to go to, my dad worked in Orlando. And I, as a kid, like I learned to swim in one of the Disney pools. So, <laughs> you know, I've been a lot as, a, as you know, uh, th- throughout the, the years. Um, I am I am a little bit sad only because I couldn't see the people freaking out in person. I'm actually very glad they're getting rid of the uh, Splash Mountain and, and are, are redoing it. It's so but dumb. I am, but it oh. is so dumb. But I, I am a little bit disappointed that I wasn't there just to see the freak out over that because oh. I think the people freaking out over that are like the worst people. It's so sad. It, it's a children's ride. Okay. It's not even a good ride. Like just whatever. Well, and um, it's based yeah. on like 
something really like a, a movie that never should have been made. And 100%. like it's going to be it is going to be like revamped and you'll see it in you'll see it in a year and a half. It's fine. Yeah, just deal anyway. with it. Disney. Can I give a super quick suggestion? The best yes, place please. to eat at Disney. They've this isn't it's not super new, but it's relatively new. There's a restaurant at Animal Kingdom called Tiffin's which is the best okay. food in all of Disney World. You can always get um, uh, like a space there to eat because it's so expensive. People with kids do not want to go there, but it's absolutely worth your time. So okay. um, whenever you go there, find Tiffin's. It's close to Pandora, but is, oh my God, it's so good. Every single meal there is great. Okay. All right, Tiffin's. Thank you so much. Yay. I hope you have fun. I'm sure you will. You're both going to be having so much fun. Uh, I will also be having fun this week because I will be continuing to play Gossip Harbor, the mobile game that has captivated <laughs> my life. After Whitney Arner tweeted about it, uh, they said that the story is compelling and they feel like the gameplay respects them. And I was like, I like, I get ads. I get like crappy ads for this all the time when I play Matchington Mansion, which is the other free-to-play game that I'm addicted to. Uh but this person whose taste I trust says it's good. I'll check it out. They're right. It's Where's good. Where's it called again? Gossip what? <laughs> Gossip Harbor. It's a merge game. Oh, so yeah. Oh, I, I, oh, I played this. Yeah. It's freaking great. Uh, you play as a woman who, like, she has just divorced her husband and her restaurant has been destroyed by rioters <gasps> because of the food poisonings. Um, and it's not as good as things. the ads make it look. The ads make it look insane, but it is still a very good game. Uh, it's better than the ads make it look because the ads look like crap. Um, but the act- the story is actually really good. Uh, or, I, okay, the story I find interesting and funny is what I'm going to say because there are, you're trying to, it, it goes like, okay, the rioters have destroyed my restaurants because of the food poisonings. And then the main character pulls this. Oh, I know. I'll investigate it. I used to love solving mysteries when I was a kid. And I was like, hang on a minute. You're throwing a lot of information at me. But as a person who loves mysteries, I I loved that little twist of it. Um, And I think the characters are pretty cute and well-designed. Uh, so I am enjoying my time waiting for my actions to refresh so I can continue to merge bags of flour to make unbaked loaves of bread, to make baked loaves of bread, to make larger loaves of bread, right. to make sliced loaves of bread, to make open-faced jam toast, to make sandwiches, to make bigger sandwiches. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> no, but, but the ads for this, because if I, I'm, I'm trying to think of the right one, maybe this one is actually um, accurate because there are all these ads because I play some of these like match three games and some of the ads are insane where it'll be like, you know, this, 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 um, hus- like this wife is like giving labor, like is like in labor while she's sleeping next to her husband. He's like, don't bother me. And then she has to go, like go to the hospital alone. And then she's like, she and the, is stuck with a baby. And then like the guy has a new wife and then she has to like go into a cold cabin where she has to like figure out, like, like do certain things. Like if you want to tape up the window or do other stuff so that yes. they don't freeze to death. Which is amazing, but then the games are never like that. Yes, and that's what I am fascinated by. And I know there have been pieces written about this out there. I'll, I'll put some in the show notes. I think that that might be a different one. The ads for this one, she sees her husband 
sleeping with another woman through the window and then she gets on a raft and goes out into yes, the ocean which right. does not happen in the game i was gonna say so i ha- so my theory on this way of merch mansion sorry yeah, yeah. Mer- yeah. yes yeah. Where, like, the, where the grandmother is like oh i he I knows he's alive there's a whole reddit about that like yes all and, the and ads. Yes. totally it's fantastic and and i've um i haven't read any of these pieces simone my theory is that these are ai generated commercials <laughs> genuinely and but but like they're they're bananas but i want to play those games but now you say that there is some good drama in um merge uh, gossip harbor so i'm gonna have mm-hmm. to play that one again because i love it i think That's speaking fantastic. of games though we should save that for the next segment where we shame some yes. about the game so she should true. be playing instead all right well let's wrap this up then uh brianna where can i find you online brianna Wu on twitter and Christina, you can find me at film underscore girl on Twitter, but you can also more importantly find me at film underscore girl at mastodon dot social uh, or at mastodon dot social slash at film underscore girl. I, wh- whatever the case may be, if you search film underscore girl um, on your uh, various uh, mastodon instances or apps, I think that I should come up with it. But I'm on the mo- main mastodon dot social instance. I have been spending more time there. Uh, continue to talk to me. I've uh, connected. With, I think I have about uh, seventy six hundred followers right now, which is great. Um, and I found like a lot of my people who I stopped seeing on Twitter. So that's where I am on uh, on, on Twitter and Mastodon. And then I'm I'm uh, film underscore girl on um, uh, Instagram. And you can find my videos at work at youtube.com slash GitHub. And you can find me on Twitter and everywhere else at Doom Quasar. At youtube.com slash polygon and at polygon on twitch and tiktok as well thank you so much for listening to our podcast i hope that you liked it and if so that you will review us on apple podcasts or wherever else you leave podcast reviews give us those five beautiful juicy stars and we'll use them to convert more listeners to our show and it'll be a good party for everybody we'll enjoy it If you are, of course, a member, you're about to hear a bonus segment. And thank you so much for supporting us directly and getting an ad-free show and enjoying that bonus segment where I will be raked over the coals by my co-hosts for not doing things that they consider important. Um, And in fact, that the internet at large considers important. I'm like the New York Times in this this way. I, I, you know, video games... Uh, they were until recently considered children's <laughs> toys. <laughs> uh, one final thought before we go. Um, Christina, am I to understand, because we haven't paused, that your sandwich still has not arrived? No, it arrived, but it's cold and it was a whole thing. And I already got a refund from DoorDash. So All right. Glad I, to hear yeah, it. Yeah. In so that I'll case, it in that case. So, yeah, let's just continue going. We'll wrap up the show. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 